Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. All right, let's get to some uh, hoops with Ira. Ira, welcome. How are you? I'm way busier than I ever thought I would be in August, yeah. Mike. That's yeah, that's true. Ira, this is a surprise. Now, Ira, um, you can look at this a couple of ways. Sure. First of all, they we're going to go on the premise, right, that he could not go back to Cleveland, right? Correct. All right, so looking at it from that standpoint, they did get a lot for him, but it's not all immediately helpful. So you take it in stages. Let's look at it first. Look at it from the Boston standpoint, then we'll look okay. at it from the Cleveland standpoint. Go ahead. Uh, well, first, looking from the Boston standpoint, what Danny Ainge decided this summer was he was going to go all in with the moves he wanted. Mike, four of the primary five Boston Celtics starters from last season are gone. Jay Crowder, Amir Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, and Avery Bradley. This is a new Celtics team. Don't sit there trying to figure, how do we fit these pieces into what was there before? There is no there before. No, and not only that, they lost both, and now they're not nearly the defensive team, but they're a much better offensive yeah. team. They lost their defensive elements in Crowder and Bradley. You're entirely correct there. So what you have to say is Danny Ainge obviously set out in this offseason saying this is what I wanted. He wanted Gordon Hayward. He was the number one piece. He said, I am not not trading Jason Tatum. He's going to be part of my future. And then when Kyrie became available, this is fascinating. He had the opportunity to trade many of the similar pieces in this deal that he could have for Jimmy Butler, and he said no. For Paul George, and he said no. And then Kyrie. Kyrie Irving showed up at his doorstep, and he finally pulled the trigger for these draft picks he's been hoarding for years. And what he's basically is saying is, I believe this is the time to go all in in the Eastern Conference, that Cleveland is showing enough cracks. And to me, that's the craziest thing of this whole thing. Usually the top two teams of the conference would never trade right. with each other. Right. I wonder if San Antonio, for example, would trade with Golden State. It reminds me of that, that talk around when Jay Bruce was traded and you wouldn't trade with the Nationals or right. the Yankees, and yet they went ahead and did it, which t- tells me this trade was more of a desperation on the Cavaliers' parts than the Celtics. But now we know. Danny Ainge, you've, you've kept, you've hoarded these young players and all these picks for what? He's done it for this season and for next season and the season after, because actually this next two seasons, and then Kyrie can opt out. So he has pushed all his chips to the middle of the table, and he told Cleveland, I'm all in, and he told the rest of the league. This now, there's no more, oh, Brad Stevens is a nice guy and a great up-and-coming coach. No, he has to be great right now. That's the Boston side of it. And, Mike, the Cleveland side Well, the of Cleveland it, side first question begs is sure. this. 
is Le- was LeBron in on this trade? I mean, was he okay with it? Does he understand that this trade has interesting facets in that it's a trade for the future. It's a, pr- a trade that even protects them against him leaving a little bit. Well, that's the thing. Mike, if you would have asked me at any other time, was LeBron in, I would laugh. I would say, well, of course, LeBron's in on everything. He's the general manager of that team. This is a different situation. LeBron James refuses to say the four or five words that would settle everything for Cleveland. I am not leaving. He hasn't said that. Because of that, he's sort of leaving them in a lurch. And just to sort of background you a little, in 2014, when the people didn't know if he was leaving the Miami Heat, Pat Riley went out and drafted Shabazz Napier, not because he wanted him, because LeBron had tweeted, this is my favorite point guard in the draft. Then Pat Riley went out and signed Josh McRoberts and Danny Granger because he knew that LeBron liked him and maybe you would keep him. It didn't. This time, LeBron doesn't want to get blamed for anything. He basically has told Cleveland, do what you need to do because you're not getting the definitive answers. So what the Cavaliers did is they made a trade for the moment and for the future. That 2018 Brooklyn Nets pick is the absolute fulcrum of the entire trade. That's why they made the deal. That's what they couldn't get anywhere else was a chance to get the number one or two or three or top pick in a very top heavy 2018 draft. So if you're going to try to tell me that Isaiah Thomas is good as, a, as Kyrie Irving, and I've heard a lot of people try to do that, that's a bunch of bunk. Isaiah Thomas had one year, really. Yeah, and, he and listen, he's also, a, they're both bad defensively, but, yeah, but Thomas is an terrible. enormous liability, yes. Yes. and he's injury prone. Yes, I know. He's played a bunch of games until the hip injury. We still don't know about that. When people talk about defensive lots of liabilities, if you at least have the body to defend, you have a chance. Isaiah Thomas is not getting through screens. No chance. That's been the problem. Boston, is, they've had to switch every screen and roll. Kyrie Irving is muscled. We know that. He's a tough kid. You know what? With Brad Stevens coaching, I think he can become a better defender. He has shown what he wants to. He can be. I think he'll fit in a little more in that culture. But what's fascinating to me is that number one pick because now Cleveland is Boston. They have the currency. If LeBron indicates, well, I might be willing to stay if we win a championship, does Cleveland go all in at the trading deadline? Right. Do, do they, they trade say, hey. the pick now yes. for a player to make yes. LeBron happy? And if they do, okay. And if they don't, then they have the pick if LeBron leaves and whatever else they could get. Or, you know, they could even be involved with some. Let's say the year broke down for some reason. Who knows what happens, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, or they could hold the pick because this top of this draft, Michael Porter, Missouri, Marvin Bagley just entered Duke, now is looking at the top three pick. And there's a kid, Luka Doncic, who plays for the Slovenia national team. You're going to see him in Euro Cup starting next week. He's sort of the riser on the board, maybe this year's overseas Porzingis kind of player. So there might be a player where LeBron's sitting there during the season and going, whoa. This guy is as good as Lonzo Ball. Why go to L.A. when I can get my own Lonzo Ball here instead, whether it's Bagley or whether it's Porter or whether it's Don- Donchick? So you have that possibility also. Of a young player, and, oh, yeah. and, and that makes sense. And, but if you look at it right now, face, put the trade away, put the pick away, okay. Crowder and Isaiah – they're not as good a team as they were last year. And you can say they are, but they're not. I'm sorry, they're not. And here's the thing. You're, you're not going to start right now, most likely. Jay Crowder will not start. So when you have him, yes, he'll come off the bench. He is another defensive player. He's a good defensive player. Against, he's a good defensive player, Durant. yes. Right. Except so against, great def- against great offensive players, that doesn't usually make that much of a difference, though. No, but yeah. might, he's an upgrade on Richard Jefferson, who I think is well into his 40s. So at least you have that. He is an upgrade, have, no question. Yeah, Absolutely. You have a different option. I think Isaiah Thomas is a downgrade. I think he had a moment. And i got to tell you, Mike, 
This is going to get interesting for this reason. Isaiah Thomas is playing for a contract. It's one thing in Boston. We, you saw the playoff games when he dominates the ball. That's who the Celtics were. In a lot of ways, the Celtics last season reminded me of the Allen Iverson Sixers. Here's our young, quick whippersnapper. Take as many shots as you want. Do what you want. Please carry us. It wasn't until Game 7 against Washington when Kelly Olynyk finally had his moment that they really had another offensive guy. LeBron's not going to let him no, do that. No, now he's going to be not- a three-shooter off a catch-and-shoot is what he's going to be. Or, 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 or he'll score when LeBron's out. I'm right. sure that Ty Lue will create 12 to 16 minutes a game when you will have, quote-unquote, Isaiah Thomas time. But he needs to get his stats. He needs his numbers. He needs his contract. There's not a lot of salary cap space out next summer. There's not a lot of salary cap space from teams who can use someone like him. But, Mike, I will say this. I think people are looking at too short a view for this reason. If you're asking me, is Isaiah Thomas better than Kyrie Irving. No, it's a downgrade. But don't forget Derrick Rose. So I think what we have to do when we analyze this trade is ask ourselves this. Is Derrick Rose and Isaiah Thomas a downgrade on Kyrie Irving? I think they will be better from a starting and reserve point guard perspective than Cleveland was a year ago. So I think that's where it offsets a little bit in this trade. See, but listen, Neither team was going to beat Golden State. We know that, okay? Uh, And knowing that, it seems to me that uh, this trade actually gives LeBron a little cushion to leave if he wants to. Yeah, but the thing is, they LeBron might leave anyway. Right, but now it gives him more of a. It gives him. It makes it an easier path for him, don't you think? I, I think it, you know, it doesn't matter. I think when LeBron makes up his mind, he makes up his mind whenever it is. Now, if they win a championship, it's, it's all that much harder for him to go, even though they're less likely to win a championship. But that's why I think this is a win-win trade. It protects Cleveland bought an insurance policy. They went out and made an investment. Their insurance policy is the draft pick. Boston, Mike, I'm telling you, they said beautiful things about Isaiah Thomas. They don't want to give him $200 million. It, it, and it, rightly it, so. He's a novelty. God bless him. He's a little he player. Did. He's a little yeah, guy. We, we all like it, but there's certain limitations. That's, it's not like the Allen Iverson era. The no. NBA has changed. You're not going to get that kind of team anymore where the Sixers had all their big men just crashing the boards and George Lynch and offensive rebounds. It's a different everyone has to score game right now. So I think it freed Boston also. Here's what happened. Cleveland went around the league and asked every team basically for their best possible. There's a report out now that they asked for for um, for Thompson, Clay Thompson for the Warriors. The Warriors said no. Mike, I can't tell you definitively. They went to New York because I know there's a lot of speculation on this. They did ask for Kristaps Porzingis and were told no. They shopped every team. There's some people who are saying Milwaukee offered Middleton and Brogdon in a draft choice. No. Cleveland asked for those players. That's why there's been this two- or three-week delay. They went out to every team, and they said, if we deal with you, we want player X and maybe player Y as well. Are you amenable? Then they went back. They realized the Suns weren't offering Josh Jackson, that Bledsoe wasn't enough, and then this Boston deal came available. And you know, Mike, Was there any other trade they were close to? I, I think once Boston put 2018 Brooklyn Nets pick in there, it absolutely closed the deal. Now, I'm not saying the Nets are going to be the worst team in the league next year. I think Atlanta and Chicago in the East are worse. I think there's a chance Phoenix in the West could be worse. But again, it's a lottery thing. So if you finish second, third, fourth worst record, you still have a chance of winding up with the pick. What's interesting is we know Brooklyn's not tanking. They have no reason to. They went out. They got Alan Crabb. They made the trade with the Lakers. They fortified themselves enough with Damari Carroll. 
I think they'll be far more representative. But that, that, that pick will still have value, because if the Cavs, like we said, traded at the trading deadline, well, you still won't know where it's going to be, but you know it'll be a quality pick also. So right now, Cleveland has more currency to upgrade if they want, and still has... You know what, Mike? I put it this way. Boston has the best regular season team in the East. But they had that last year anyway. They were the number one seed. I still think when you have LeBron James and you have no back-to-backs in a playoff situation, I still think Cleveland is the favorite again to come out of the East. Does LeBron think he has – I mean, it comes down to the how many, how, many, uh, how many shots does LeBron have left at this thing in his mind? LeBron with the proper help believes he probably has at least three more shots left. Not with Cleveland, but with L.A. in his plus one. And you can bet he's following this whole tampering thing with this plan to join Paul George with the Lakers. If for some reason, I don't think it'll happen, but if for some reason the league says, look, you cannot, Lakers, you cannot sign Paul George. We found some tampering going on here. I think that changes the dynamic for LeBron. Because unless Russell Westbrook goes to the Lakers and they can get a plus one, he's not going to find a stronger supporting cast, maybe, than that number one pick in Kevin Love. So I think a lot of how it plays out with the Lakers, including, Mike, how well Lonzo Ball plays as a rookie. LeBron is basically telling Lonzo Ball, get your seasoning ready now so that in 2018-19 you'll be ready for me. I still think his eyes are on the Lakers. All right. Thanks uh, very much, Ira. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Ira Windeman on the uh, trade. So, again, the Brooklyn unprotected pick gives Cleveland a future. It also maybe gives them a chance to keep LeBron if it's a player that he falls in love with. Uh, they are not as good. Crowder plays D in their rotation, no question. But he and her, he and Kyrie at least could attack enough to make those series competitive and get to the finals. I think LeBron can still get to the finals. He just has no chance of winning when he gets there if Golden State's standing in the way. He just doesn't. Back after this.